There's been many metal gifts. Trust me, Bross is more metal than anything out right now. We need some more rock and roll in the room. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 213 of Sapnin Podcast featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, but you keep asking the question oh, whoa, don't, no, that you're no. not supposed to mention. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought you were going to go for when will I. Will I be? Anyway, this week's guest <laughs> is singer, songwriter, musician, dancer. And after this conversation, I think all round legend, this week's guest is Matt Goss of Bros. Absolutely buzzing. Talk about a festive treat. Matt Goss and Bros are one of the biggest pop culture artists throughout the 80s and 90s. To this day, they hold the record for the youngest artists to sell out Wembley Stadium. Unbelievable. And are the kings for ridiculous fans' reaction. Their audiences are known for just screaming constantly in excitement. Matt has gone on to have an exceptional career as a solo artist, dominating life in America and spending the last decade performing residency shows in Las Vegas high-class venues. Recently, he's moved back to the UK, uh, recorded with the London Philharmonic Orchestra, and throwing all sorts of shapes on our screens as a contestant of Strictly Come Dancing. When offered to talk to him, we absolutely jumped at the chance to get insights into his storybook career and this is someone you never thought we'd have on the podcast, Sean. Never, ever in a million years did I think Matt Goss of Bros would be talking to us fucking pair of idiots. It was an absolutely wonderful, wonderful chat, as you hear. And yeah, it's just, it's been wonderful and sometimes challenging as well for following the story of um, the Goss brothers, because... The ups and downs they've both gone through have been um, have been something I think that we can all take something from. And also, yeah, like you said, the youngest people to ever headline Wembley Stadium. <laughs> like, 
that's got to fuck you in the head mentally. Like, like that's got to be absolutely fucking insane. And through this conversation, we learn loads and loads about Matt. It's just brilliant to see that he's still here. He's still going. He's kicking on strong. Hopefully he's playing festivals next year. I cried laughing during this episode. <laughs> and I've got all the time in the world for Matt Goss. So, yeah, what a great episode. Thank you very much to Matt and his team for um, chatting to us. And also, of course, because he's not blind, he appreciated the mullet. <laughs> yes, there is a mullet shout out later on in this episode. But what a true icon to the music industry. And throughout this, we talk really everything from humble beginnings to stardom, uh, the message behind this new single, The Beautiful Unknown, his whole Strictly experience, the future of Bross after the global success of the 2018 documentary, mental health versus stage adrenaline, life as a residency artist, the strangest gifts he's ever <laughs> received from fans, and one of them uh. is very heavy metal, and he even calls out a certain part of the industry. So it's all going on in this episode. It's one not to miss. And just before we get into things, a reminder that uh, if you enjoy what we do, if you need a last-minute uh, holiday gift for someone, why not subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sapnin. Subscribe for as little or as much as you want, and you can put in somebody else's name. So if you've got a mortal enemy that you know hates this <laughs> podcast and hates mine and Morgan's voices, and um, you'd like their name pronounced wrong, check out patreon.com forward slash sapnin. Anyway, yes. let's get on with this. Matt Goss, fucking legend, episode 213. Sapnin! Sapnin! Don't know if you can hear my mother shouted in the background then. I hope the mic's picked it up. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Yes! Yes! <laughs> Our guest this week is singer, songwriter, musician, as of late dancer, and now big band frontman, the mighty, <laughs> mighty Matt Goss. How are you? How are you, my friend? How are you? It's good to be here, mate. How are you? Oh, good. Yeah, good. yeah better for seeing you. And <laughs> yeah, yeah this, is, this is awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for giving us your time. My pleasure, my friend. Yeah, thanks for coming on. How are you doing at the moment? How's how's things just just going? You know, it was I, I you know, it's twenty five years in America, the last eleven years at Caesar's Palace, and just moving home, getting my dog back, being on Strictly, um, releasing the music. Just it, it's there's a lot to take in, and but it's been so incredible. Just the way the British public have have made me feel at home settle my nerves and just you know really just because i'm a very private person and just really just to actually absorb uh, you know the, the temperature of this country and and just actually feel like a really part of the furniture just a uh, part of their family it's just it's been a much needed kind of and very soothing moment where i feel a lot safer because of the british public it's it's might be seem a little unhealthy but you know i've been through a lot and it's just it feels it feels really wonderful to be home. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially being over there for such a long time. I mean, coming back to the UK must have been uh, a huge move for you in itself. But as you said, you've been so busy as of late. It's been a hectic few months with the move, with Strictly and releasing a new single, "The Beautiful Unknown." Now, on the lead up to the holidays. Has it just been mad kind of juggling everything? I mean, you're always a busy guy anyway. But do you ever get to? take breaks with these stuff or do, do you like the fact that so much goes on at one time? I mean, I, I definitely thrive more if I'm, you know, I think we all need something on the horizon. I think it's a very, I think it's a very powerful, a powerful thing. Even, you know, if you look at it in just basic language, I'm looking forward to see you think about, I am looking forward to see you. It's, it's, it's it goes down to basics. And I think that the same can be said when you look to the horizon and you've got stuff going on, I think it's a good recipe to help with mental health and and when you've got something to look forward to, even if it is in the distant, uh, it's, it's just a speck on the horizon. I think it's good to have something to steer towards and I do much better when I'm creating or I'm writing or I'm putting myself in places like Strictly, which is where I'm my comfort zone. And, and I just wanted to say yes a little more and not be too consumed with, you know, was it right for me? You know, and you know, it always works out somehow. Well, the um, yeah, you were beautifully accepted by the British public on um, Strictly. How was um, how was that for you? Was there any feelings of surprise, or um, were you expecting to be um, taken in and uh, appreciated? Um, you know, I didn't. I I don't think about that stuff. If I'm honest, I just. I was, you know, it was quite a heavy lift for me emotionally in the fact that like, you know, because I'm, I am private and, and I knew that I would struggle with how quickly I could reveal my personality or, you know, cause I'm super inappropriate when I'm, when you get to know me, I'm <laughs> a complete prankster and complete, I'm one of the lads that's just, it's complete, but I have to get there. Do you know what I mean? So like, and I think with that show, it's very immediate and, 
I think when I, the week that I, I left, that was just, that was the week I started to actually be comfortable with the environment. Well, I, I'm happy that I, I left when I did and I got everything I needed. And although it was like sleeping in a tumble dryer, and you feel bad and bruised and physically and mentally, it's just, it's so consuming. Um, I'm glad that I left. I got what I needed. I'm grateful for everybody at Strictly and the people I met. It's just that I'm having dinner with Tony Adams tonight. And um, <laughs> it's going to be nice to catch up. He's a really good, he's a really good bloke and he says how it is, which I like. So, you know, I've gained a lot out of doing it. Yeah. Uh, he's also good to have as a friend if, you, if you've got a quick game of five side on the go as well. <laughs> get, out, uh, get a bit of Tony in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, literally. But you, you talked about there um, not being able to show your, your true self to the public. And I feel like the media have always dubbed you as shy for one reason or yeah. another. And they're so incredible to, to see that, especially when you see some of the mad achievements you've had and you've played everywhere from Wembley Stadium to Madison Square Garden. What about that in particular? Do, do you think it is with, with that shy element? Do you think like you've had to kind of prove yourself with, with that kind of with stuff a, a lot or is it just trying to showcase the two different sides to you no i think that i'm i'm a very confident man within myself you know i can i can walk into any room i can you know operate as a businessman and as a and as an as a singer so i have multiple kind of facets to my life but i think when it comes to aesthetically people would assume that oh you know you think you know this or that and Aesthetically, I'm just not, I'm not overly confident. And, and I think that you go in and you've got cameras on you and you're just, you know, you're used to your privacy. Um, on stage, you know, you, you know, you've been in a band on stage, you just come to life and you just rule the stage. It's like, I'm, I feel like a king on stage. Um, but when it's, when you've got cameras around you and you're trying to learn and, and it's just an uncomfortable, it was an uncomfortable environment in some ways, but it was good for me because, you know, in America, I was becoming very reclusive. And after my shows, I would do my show, become obsessive about elevating and transporting an audience. But I was going home feeling less and less myself. So it strictly kind of kicked me back into that groove and, and reminded me that I do actually love doing what I do. It's fun being a known person. Um, if you, if you approach it the right way, I'm not a grumpy celebrity. I, I think it's a place of privilege when people come up to you and are excited to see you. But the, the pace in which we all reveal ourselves and as a, as people and our personality is up to us, is up to us, you know? And I guess if you're going on strictly, you know, that's not, that's not in, the modus operandi of, of how you, you know, you've got to be on straight away. It's just not me. So, but I really enjoyed it. And I think I came up with that. And I also avoided, mm. I also didn't have to do Halloween weekend. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you mentioned there, you mentioned there about after shows and like the come down and stuff like that. I think a lot of people listening to this who've never been in a band or um, a musical act, yeah, might not understand how, how difficult it can be. Like after the show, when you go back to your room and it's just you or whatever, and you have to come down on your own after being there in front of thousands of people, it's, it can be very, very difficult. Did you find that that was the same in America as it was uh, in the UK? 
Well, you know, you being a musician, it's, a, it's great actually to talk to a musician. Just there is that, there is that absolute insanity, that adrenaline rush that we get. Um, and it gets you through if you're not feeling your best, if you're feeling, if you've got, if you've got a cold or flu or you've, you know, whatever, it, whatever it is or loss or I always call it doctor show because it gets you through it, doesn't it? And you always feel better after the show. But when that adrenaline starts to leave, um, it's a massive crash. And that's when this, that is when the silence can kick in. And, and that's when you think a little too much and, you know, and that's around about 2 a.m. because it, it takes a minute to come off of a show. It takes a bit for the ringing in the ears to stop. Um, and then, and that's the moment when everyone is asleep. So as a musician, I'm pretty sure you relate to that. Is there anything over the years you've kind of used as grounding tools or to help you with mental health, especially kind of with that? adrenaline or coming off a show or being on the roads for so long? Is there any little things that have really helped you throughout the years? I think that I have no, I've constantly, constantly tried to remove any fear-based philosophies in my life. And, and I know the whole thing about the superstition thing on the, on the documentary was kind of laughed at, but if you grow up with nothing from humble beginnings like we did, if you say, oh, if you do that, that's not good. Or if you go under a ladder, that's not good. Really what you're saying is it's, it's a control mechanism. It's a fear-based thing. So I try and remove all, all superstitions, all rituals before I go on stage. Any rituals I have coming home, I remove all of it because each individual day is different. And each, but, you know, as a musician, you know, sometimes you just got to get on with it. That's how I feel about life. And even when my sister was killed by a drunk driver, I refer to it sometimes as that one of the most perfect moments in my life because it was so perfectly painful. It was so purely painful. It was so laser-focused on no other emotion except pain. All I had to, to, to absorb was pain. And, you know, I could have either chosen to escape life and and gone down a very different path or just be present within that moment. But that pain also reminded me that I was alive. That pain also reminded me that I had the gift of my next breath, something that had been taken from her. And the same we said more recently with my mother. She died very violently. And, you know, I have PTSD because of the experience I had. I actually, my mum's blood was all over me. Sorry if it's a bit heavy, but... Um, it's uh, but it, it hit me in a way that I can't watch certain things. But when it happens, I just have to send it myself. And I think what people sometimes forget is that we're all, whether you're famous or you're not famous, we all go through stuff. And the tool that I would say, ironically, that helped me the most was just to remember that the biggest gift was my next breath because I saw the look in my mum's eyes looking at the sky for the last time, the grass for the last time. We live in this kind of vacuous place sometimes and we don't, we don't realize how blessed we are that I can, I can elevate you guys, you can elevate me. And if you have a dream, then it's part of one of my dreams. Like if I know that you want something and I can do anything that might assist that, then I will do it. You know, because in turn, at some point, you're going to put down your hand and you might, I might pull you up so hard that you were whizzing past me. But that's okay because I believe you will put your hand down and pull me up 
another time. It's a better way to live. So really what I'm saying is in a long-winded way is to un- uncomplicate things and just go, I'm here. I'm here and I get to do this. You know, I put my feet on the ground every morning. Oh, I've got another day on this, on this planet to try and make a difference. And that's how I look at life. Hmm. That's brilliant. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Yeah, I think a lot of people listening to this will, because um, we talk about mental health quite a bit on this podcast. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people will take, yeah, positivity from that. So thank you very much. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, we do appreciate that. But um, Matt, one thing I did want to talk about is that kind of residency life in Las Vegas that you spent the last 11 years doing because to us that side of the industry is quite alien you know we're used to hearing about uh, tours and gigs and traveling and stuff like that but from outside looking in those residencies seem a lot more pressure because it's such a spectacle it's such a high class show and people are spending a lot of money expecting a certain thing can you give us like an insight into what that side of life in music is actually like because you spent so much time over there and you had such a, a great career in Las Vegas. I mean, what are some of like the parallels between just a normal gig or a tour or a residency? Well, it's a great question. I mean, it has nothing to do with the music industry whatsoever. So anything you think you know about the music industry, and I, I had to learn this, you just burn it. It has nothing to do with the normal rules of engagement as a musician, as what you think you know about the music industry. It's completely different. And that's because there are so many factors. First, firstly, when we go on tour, you know, you think about the set lists, you think about, you know, I might change it, this, you know, I might put in a song here. But when you're doing a show in Vegas, you have to remember that, that you are a quote unquote show. And you have to constantly fight about changing the set list. And because that can be the very thing that keeps bringing people back. It's like Jersey Boys or The Lion King or Blue Man Group or whatever it may be. You are that and you are a trip advisor. You have to burn your ego to, 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 to and then bury the, the, the ashes of your ego because you'll have people coming in that may just have read something about the show and, don't, and they don't, may not know much about you. But that quickly reminds you, do you want to be famous? Do you want to be a star or do you want to entertain an audience? And I always go to entertain an audience because that's a challenge to me. And that's the very thing that I think has taught me more than any other venue, any other place. It teaches you composure. It teaches you humility on stage. It teaches you how to command an audience because they're so varied because you're playing to an audience that may not have bought your records. So you are by definition having to start again every bloody night, you know, and and it's 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 a really interesting thing you get a guy sitting there like that <laughs> and i'm like i'm gonna have some of you i'm going for you and you're gonna, i'm gonna own you by the end of this fucking show and and it was brilliant because that's what elevated my that's what kept me going and i would always win them over whether it took singing music tequila you i didn't care whatever it took <laughs> I would make sure I would get those audience members. And that, what, that is why I think we all got in the business. And by the way, of the business of music is one of the ballsiest decisions you can ever make. And that's why the rewards are so high in some ways, because you get to elevate people 
But I can promise you, when you make that first decision, you'll relate to this, is that, this, I mean, the decision to become a professional musician is probably one of the treacherous things you can do. There's not a person around me that was happy about the decision. They're like, oh, <laughs> you know, we'll, you know it was just not a good, it was just not, it's a very difficult decision and ballsy decision to make. But if you stick with it, the payoffs are incredible. Yeah. What what does a day look like in the residency? Would you have to be up early or could you just No, I mean to be honest with you, my drive was seventeen minutes. I lived off seventeen minutes off the strip, I lived on a golf course. Um absolutely absurd house, beautiful house, lovely. And um but it was a seventeen minute drive and sometimes <clears throat> well, very often I would I would leave, you know, twelve minutes before the show. And stay on stage, hands in, do our little kind of whatever that that inspiring moment was, hands in, and you and literally the show would start. But it's a brilliant thing. You pull up in your car, the valet guys know exactly you. Hey, Mr. Go, Billy, Mr. Go, have a great show. You throw in the keys, they're like, and then you walk walk in. You got your you got your security with you, and then the audience is already in the room. They've already been drinking for a good a good hour, and um, you know, a ton of fellas bring bringing their A game with their ladies, my showgirls, my A piece band. Just we just smashed it every night. Nice, mm. that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. never need. To, oh, imagine never needing to sound check. Oh, those are the yeah. That'd now, be you the sometimes thing. sometimes needed things like if you get someone come into your room, for example, so for a corporate event, and sometimes they use your system and then you. And that, that you become so tuned to that sound, mm-hmm. so you sometimes have to get it back, and it would take maybe three or four shows to dial it back into where we all felt happy. After eleven years, you do get very, 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 you know, attached to that that sound. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, well, we appreciate the insight in that. That's yeah. that's mind blowing. But uh, on the flip side, we would like to talk about Bros a little bit. Um, there's some rumors going around that you guys could possibly be making new music now in 2023. I mean, what's kind of the, uh, the, the situation w- w- of the band at the moment? Is it kind of actively looking to do more stuff when both of your schedules line up? Yeah, I think it's 2024 would be the year, I think. Um, okay. I'm doing this tour. I'm, I'm in Abbey Road in January with the Royal Philharmonic. Um, and then after that, in the mid-year, I'm hoping to do a movie called Cobbler Killer Stranger, where I play a really dark, dark character. It's a, it's a psychological thriller, a little bit of gangster in there. Um, and then I hope to be, I would love if the elitist side of this industry allows me on some of the festivals, I'd like to go and smash some festivals. That's if I'm allowed, quote unquote, on the festival scene. But I would love to have that the experience. Take you know, take a big band and, and a, a rock and roll band with that with that element on it as well. Um, and then at the end of the year, I'll, I'll take the end of the year. And then it would be nice to possibly think about doing something. My brother, if he's up for it, he, he's, he says he is. Maybe film actually film the process of making new music. And again, you'll relate to this. Doing a show is one thing, but making a record is a whole different beast. I need to record that process to see if Luke's a more of a rocker. I'm a soul boy. I love rock and roll. Don't get me wrong. And I think there's an edge to what I do on stage, but um, to try and figure out our influences and make it work in a sound. But, but we want it. 
we want Bros to remain that big kind of super group, pop group. We want it to remain mm. there. And then, so that, I think that'll be 2024. Oh, nice. You, um, you, met, you mentioned there kind of having trouble getting on those festival circuits and stuff in the past. Is that just being like miscommunication with, with, with like bookers and stuff? Or is- no, I don't know what it is. I think maybe, maybe there's an elitist element, maybe because I'm, as I was screamed at when I was a kid. You know, I don't know what it is. I'm a musician's musician. You know, I, I'm, I'm a multi-instrumentalist. I play, you know, and, and produce and do my stuff, you know, on this single. There's 300 plus vocals or backing vocals that I do. I understand, I understand harmonies, moving harmonies. It's just, you know, I do what I do. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I definitely want to address it. I definitely want to try and get on some festivals and smash it because I just know how to, I, listen, I did, I did, uh, proms, the proms before COVID, and I, I could, eat, I got sixty thousand people on their feet, and I know what I'm doing. So I'd love to. I, I would just like to get on that circuit and just experience. Is there any festivals in particular? Uh, Isle of Wight, Glastonbury, all the festivals. Ready? I'd like to get on them just and play and and be included. And a Reading and Leeds would be good as well. I think yeah. that would be. F- It'd be amazing just to get on that circuit and just and play and play hard, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's surpri- that's surprising. I'm I'm really surprised you haven't been at one of those kind of things before. But one thing um, on this podcast we like to talk to our guests about every now and again is just a particular moment where you couldn't believe things were happening for you in the industry. Is there anything you remember with either yourself or Bross or anything where you? went back and thought, wow, like, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe this is happening to us. Well, first of all, much respect for the mullet. That's one yeah. of the best, best mullets I've seen. I was hoping it was a mullet and on point. Nice. And yeah, you've just come back from America. So I very much appreciate that. Um, man, on point mullet, by the way. Um, yes. Um, but, yeah, I'd say to this day, we're still the youngest men in history to head on Wembley Stadium, 77,000 people. And, you know, I think that day for any musician to, to reach that venue, um, it's actually a very elusive venue to try and get to. Um, and it's best to say that I've done 15 consecutive Wembley arenas and, and, and Wembley Stadium. That okay, is no. that that venue empty is much more intimidating when it's full in some ways because when you s- sit at the very back of Wembley Stadium and you see that pitch and you usually relate it to the, the the stands being full but you've also got to feel the pitch as well and I think that it's it's quite an almost ominous feeling as you're like are we, are we going to get people in here. And I remember saying to my tour manager, I said, we're, we're, there's no way we can fill this place. And he was, no, you've already, you've already done it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then I remember there's just the sun setting and we were going just before, just in dusk, it was just really beautiful. And, um, and I remember just the, the show, the production of the front end of the show starting and we were underneath the stage and we got catapulted up, catapulted up to the stage and, I remember just going through, getting kind of taking that air, like feeling the air and just getting that hit that you would know that, that massive hit of energy from the audience. Um, it was something that was sustaining. It's part of my DNA now. It's like, you know, if ever I 
if ever I'm, I'm nervous, I'll just be like, Matt, you, you bedline Wembley Stadium, just relax. Yeah, I've just got goosebumps as you've recalled it now. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, because it reminds you awesome. of you going on stage. I mean, you know that, right? It's, it's, oh, oh, I've gone bloody freezing. Oh, I have. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure you've just got so many memories like that also, as well. But my mum was in the Royal Box with Kylie. She was there and there's other people. We had salt and pepper open for us. and <laughs> It was just, um, it was an amazing experience to have your mum, you know, born in Lewisham, you know, number one, I think we were number one simultaneously in 36 countries at that moment. And your mum was in the Royal Rumbling Stadium. And yeah, and it's, and it's there. You can't be taken away from us. It's there, you know. Yeah. That's class. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm chuffed to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. We love, we love hearing these stories. So thank you so much. But Matt, as we uh, start to wind down here, I mean, obviously um, you've been really busy with solo music as of late. You've mentioned you're going to be going into Abbey Road next year to record more stuff with the uh, Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Um, new single, Beautiful Unknown, is out at the moment on the build-up to the holiday season. Can you just talk to us a little bit more about that track in particular and the whole experience of recording with an orchestra and maybe having to change your voice slightly because you've been adapted with so many styles uh, vocally in your past as well? Yeah, I think if, you know, if you're a guitarist, play the beautiful unknown on guitar and it is like it's like got a piano man kind of Billy Joel kind of thing to it. If you play it on guitar, it plays really, really beautifully. Um, but it also translates incredibly with an orchestra it's it's just one of those for me my my dream would for the toast to be the toast of this nation to the beautiful unknown because it is the removal of fear and i think it says everything when that's why i wrote that that song i include that the, the words the beautiful unknown many times in poetry that i write because i think growing up where we did from humble beginnings and going through what i've been through and um I have found sometimes fear has been a little bit crippling. And so I'm adamant now. I'm just adamant. Anything that creates fear in my life has to go. And um, the beautiful unknown is, an inc- I hope, an optimistic um, song it's, for people. It's also, I, I love hitting some of those big notes at the end of this track. Um, I'm in complete control of my voice now, which is, feels, feels good. And to be immersed, literally almost 360, be immersed inside an orchestra is, you know, I love, I love putting on my guitar and putting the distortion on it, but I can tell you it's a very spiritual experience playing with an orchestra and, um, and a big band. So um, I, it's a dream come true as a musician for me. And as I go into the, hopefully the next phase of my, my career, I can do more of this. Oh, oh, oh yeah. One, one thing I wanted to ask, I read earlier, I was doing uh, my quick research, and I read earlier about strangest thing that you've ever been given by a fan. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so many things I've been given. I mean, everything from a sheep's heart. To, uh, <laughs> that, that sounds like the most metal gift of all time. <laughs> yeah, um, well, there's been many metal gifts. Trust me, Bruce is more metal than anything out right now. <laughs> so we need some more rock and roll in the room, but it's... um. Yeah, I've, I've, I remember doing a Royal Variety performance and, and this fan was adamant that we had this gift. And 
was in the car. So I asked the driver, I said, stop, stop, stop. She's really, really freaking out. And she, she just says, this is just for you. It's a big gift and it's beautifully wrapped and it's very heavy. And um, it was just a, it was a, it was a semi thawed out raw turkey. <laughs> frozen, uh, frozen turkey. I don't know why she felt like I needed to give me a frozen turkey in the back of the car. Um, but, you know, it was even weirder getting out five minutes later and putting a raw turkey into a bin on the side of the road. Yeah. Oh, I'm crying. Yeah. I'm crying. Oh. Yeah. I, I know what I, yeah. I but know what she moved on to, she just ended up giving me, always giving me a Frey, Frey Bentos pie. So it was just like, she, for some reason, she just, I think she wanted to feed me up a little bit. But it was, um, yeah, but definitely sitting on, you know, you, you got your stuff on, you know it is, you got your stuff on ready for stage and you got a raw turkey on you. <laughs> you can get out of the limo to, to put a raw turkey in the, in the, in the bin. Well, we've yeah. all done that. We've all done that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't very rock and roll. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. I love it. Oh, that's amazing. Like, what was she thinking? Oh, I know. I know. Like, yeah. To this day, I don't quite know. But, but she, what was weird is, I mean, that must, she must have wrapped it there because <laughs> she wrapped a raw turkey. <laughs> I just love I just love the thought process behind all of that and just yeah, exactly it's something you can ponder over I have pondered over it for a couple of decades yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah I, can, I can imagine yeah was she just looking at you one day and going I think he needs some turkey what, like he needs- what can I get him what would he really love what does he need right this second yeah, what's the protein in a turkey compared to a free bentos pie? Because a free bentos pie is easier to carry around. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was tempted to see if there was anything inside that she'd wrapped. <laughs> oh yeah, Could, yeah. What if you threw it out and it was full of money? What if <laughs> she'd stuffed the turkey can, full of money? I can, oh. I can still live with the decision. It's fine. Yeah, that's all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, well, thank thank you for sharing that, Matt. We've absolutely loved this conversation. The best. Thanks so much thank for you. taking the time. And awesome, just. Mate. Just before you go, is there anything else uh, you'd like to mention uh, or leave the listeners with? Uh, please no, do. I just, I've got to be honest, doing podcasts with fellas like you and, the, you know, journalists and a musician, it's just bring more of this because it's really, really what we need. You're not, you guys are not elitist, you know, you're inclusive and that's what we need. You know, if, if you're a music snob, then you're not really a musician and, and I can sense that's from you. So thank you for your time and just really get me on. Please get me on again. And just, you know, I've had, I've had a really lovely time. We have oh, yeah, to. Yes, thank you very, very, that. very yeah, much. Thank yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you for everything over the years. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Man. Thank you. Thank you for the inspiration. Thank you for the music. As much as you probably don't think like, you know, Bros had any effect on hard rock. That's not true. Like, um, yeah, I, I remember loving Bros when I was younger, and uh, yeah, and it it played a part in me being who I am. So thank you very much. Um, I'm humbled by that, man. I'm, I'm so humble. Thank you, mate. And yeah, hopefully we get to do one of these in the flesh in the future. Yeah, and um, I'd love that. And and come to uh, if you want to come to any of the gigs, the Albert Hall or anything gigs that's near you, please come be my guest, and we can have a have a have a drink afterwards. 
Oh, thank oh, you. Yes, yes. Please. Well, oh. yeah, I, you do in Bristol, I believe. I've I've already looked into it. <laughs> Perfect. Love, fellas. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. Yes, I never Ooh. thought that would happen. Fucking Matt Goss on Sapling <laughs> Podcast. I love these Christmas episodes that we do every year where we try and pull a fucking a guest nobody expects out of the bag. And this year, we've done it again. So good job, Morgan. Congratulations on this year. You've done a fucking blinding job with everything. I can't believe we're still fucking going. That's mad. <laughs> um, we've had ups and downs this year like no other fucking year. But we are still going somehow. So, and that wouldn't be possible without the support of people uh, like yourselves who are listening now. A retweet or a like or a share goes so far you don't even realize. Every little helps to um, quote a giant capitalist supermarket. But yes, thank you very much to everybody this year who has shared our stuff, retweeted it, liked it told a friend about it, complained about it, any of those <laughs> things. It all helps get us out there and keeps the podcast going. Yes, it does. I, I completely agree with everything Sean just said. And yeah, these holiday specials are always uh, interesting to everyone. I believe last year we had Joe from S Club 7. The year before <laughs> we had Dave Hill of Slade. Who knows? I, I love the fact that we can pull out massive pop culture artists uh, and stuff uh, on, on this podcast from 
from time to time. But what an icon Matt Goss is to so many people. As he mentioned there, he has a new single out at the moment called The Beautiful Unknown. It's an orchestra version of a track taken from his uh, album earlier in the same year, uh, recorded with the London Philharmonic. And he's going to be going back into the studio uh, in 2023 to record even more stuff with them before heading on the road uh, with the London Philharmonic Orchestra throughout 2023. Uh, loads of UK dates in February and April. The Matt Goss experience is going to be a lovely, lovely time. Uh, head over to his social media and website for all the dates on that. Hopefully we can actually go to one of those shows, have a drink with him, and maybe record something in person. And fingers crossed for that Bross reunion again in 2024. If you haven't checked out their documentary after the screaming stops, um, I urge you to. Something to, to kind of fill your time with over the uh, weird week this is between Christmas and New Year. It had a lot of success, and I think I think Bross are going to be a, a force to be reckoned with when their schedules sync up again. Yes, it was fantastic to have Matt on. Just getting to see him open up, react to stuff, and how life has treated him over the years has been, um, it was very, very eye-opening. So thank you very much to Matt. His brother, here's a little, um, it shows how small the world is. His brother Luke featured in the film Hellboy 2. Mm-hmm. And his stunt double was Damien Walters, who was in my former band. Oh, no, man, not my former band. I'm back in it. <laughs> Fucking hell. Hey. Fucking hell. I forgot about that. Jesus Christ, it's been such a shit couple of weeks. I completely forget, I forgot about that. The Blackout has a, a video called Higher and Higher, where we've got Damien Walters um, doing flips and shit in our video. And uh, he was Luke Goss's uh, stunt double for Hellboy oh. 2. So, small world. Small yeah. world. Well, hopefully hopefully Luke can come on at some point as well and tell some stories of uh, of acting and all that, because he's been in some crazy films, and we'd, we'd love that very, very much. Um, before we wrap things up, Sean, this is the last podcast to go out before your birthday, I do believe. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Fuck. Um, Great. What, what should everyone do for your birthday? Um, Venmo me money. Uh, <laughs> a fucking dollar sign Sean Smith sucks, I believe. I don't know. Um, what should you do for my birthday? Um, try not to die. Everybody stay alive. Try and stay positive. If you've enjoyed any of these episodes or we've made you laugh over this year, check out patreon.com forward slash happening where there are currently a bunch of legends who are subscribed to our Patreon who make this possible for you to listen to for free, you absolute content-stealing fuckers. If you head to the description in this episode, there's loads of names there that we do thank. But as always, we're going to give a mahusive shout out to the elite members of our Sapling Podcast Patreon community. Those are the people in the top tiers. Yes, thank you very much. Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Leeway, Janelle Caston, Paul Hirschfield, Scarlett Charlton, Tony Michael, Dilly Grimwood, Kelly Ewing, Nathan Croshaw, Mitch Perry, Emma Barber, Sammy G, Kat Besson, Dana Lasnova, Jenny Robinson, Murray Grimwood, Scott Jones, Amy Dawson, Amy Louise, Stuart McNaught, M. Evans Roberts, Stephen Aston. Caroline Robson, Kate Patek, Louis Cook, Danny Eaton, Martina McManus, Carl Pendlebury, James McNaught, Jenny Munster, Kelly Cannon, Jason Oredia, John and Emma, em- Emily Perry, Craig Leboise back in town, Aris, Gary White, Khalila Keen, Adam Parslow, Ollie Amesbury, Josh, how did Mary and Joseph get a food shop delivered on a little donkey? 
crisp. That's the worst one yet, Josh. Fuck you now. Yeah. Talking about Charles Wood, Reese Bowling, Kate Stevenson, Kyle, I bought Mariah Carey something to secure a door, but uh, she doesn't want a lock for Christmas, David Smith. That's equally as bad as Josh Crisp's. Last, by no means least, Connor Lewins. And as Morgan said, check out the description of this episode. Merry fucking Christmas to everyone. Have a great new year. Um, God to be fucking better than last year, for the love of God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you, everyone. Um, stay alive, don't be sick. Uh, keep your tongue out. That's it. Yeah, uh, watch Jingle All The Way. That's what I'm going to do this week for nice. the holidays. Good on you, good on you, Phil. Something! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. What a weird end. Yeah, Arnie film, anyway. Fucking something! <laughs> oh, Christmas, 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 Christmas. I've lost my fucking mind. Right, I'm off. Turn up. You're listening to Sabling Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't, I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much.